the numbers on the calendar, the, the life we're in right now hasn't necessarily changed because the calendar rolled over, the new year came, um, the new president came. Things haven't exactly changed. So we need to learn how to fight as Christians. No matter what the year is, uh, we need to understand that we're in a fight. We're in a fight because Christ is king and people don't believe that. Welcome in to the Late Night Radio Podcast. I am Justin, joined as always by Alan. Alan, how are you today, man? What did you guys do for Valentine's Day? Doing well. Welcome into another episode for Valentine's Day. So my mother's birthday is just a few days before Valentine's Day, February the 11th. And so this that last weekend, uh, we went up to West Virginia with my sister, uh, her husband, my mother, and her husband, and then myself and my wife, we went up to West Virginia, did a little hot tubbing, did a little snow tubing, and uh, and then we came back the day before Valentine's Day. So then on Valentine's Day, we did some church stuff, and we went um, out to eat for lunch. We went to some Mexican food, our favorite food, and uh, then we had dinner actually with a, a homebound uh, lady from our church. We did this thing for Valentine's Day as a church where some church members nice. volunteered to make um, sort of a home-cooked meal for some homebound members. And our homebound member, our, our, she's homebound because of COVID. She's not regularly homebound. Um, but so she, she actually welcomed us into her house, and we ate with her. And uh, that nice. was a lot of fun to spend some time on her couch chatting with her. So we had dinner with an old lady is what I'm trying to say. And then, uh, and then that night we came home and had some dessert stuff and watched uh, some rom-com that was halfway decent. Of course, as as you do on Valentine's as Day. As one does on Valentine's Day. What about yourselves? <laughs> uh, we, so we have this tradition. We don't go out to eat on Valentine's Day. Um, instead, we make um, what we call Scooby Snacks. That's what the restaurant called them where I first had this. Basically, it's just fries uh, smothered with pulled pork, cheese, jalapenos, uh, whatever you want to put on them. Um, but for the first time <clears throat> uh, this year, uh, instead of putting the, the the pork into a crock pot to cook it, which is what we had normally done, um, I got a smoker from my parents for Christmas. Mm. And that smoker just made all the difference in the world. Um, that uh, pork butt went into the smoker at 5 o'clock Sunday morning. Mm. And came out five o'clock Sunday night, and it was fantastic. In fact, I've got some leftovers that I'm looking forward to having for lunch here in a little bit. Now, what kind of smoker do you have? Uh, it's a pit boss, and that's the best I can tell you. It's a vertical smoker, like the cabinet style. Um, is it, it electric? Is it? Pellets. Is it? Yeah. So it's it's an electric. It does burn the the wood pellets though. Mm. Um, for that smoke flavor, and it is, oh man, it's a game changer. I tell you, I'm, I'm thinking about building my own smoker um, really? out of a 55-gallon metal drum. Uh, drum smokers are a big thing, and a lot of people say drum smokers are good for your first smoker. So some people make custom drum smokers that you can buy for a lot of money. But then you can also, you know, with some with some engineering, you can buy one for like 10, 15 bucks from somebody who gets like... Uh, Maybe like car cleaner stuff that's that's transported overseas in these big fifty five yep. gallon drums. They'll sell them after they're done with them for ten bucks, and uh, 
you clean them out, you get any kind of toxicness out of it, you burn it out is what they call it. Then you can start cutting holes in it for vents, build your little coal coal basket Dude. in the bottom. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, that that would be awesome. I definitely want to hear about that. That we might have to have a whole uh, episode dedicated to Alan's smoker adventure there. Yes, very very <laughs> much. And there's listen, there's theologicalness in every smoker or every every venture you do. I wrote a blog, late night blog. That's where you can find my thoughts. Uh, there's a blog, one of my, one of my older blogs called Sanctification Like Smoking Meats, uh, because we often don't remember how just how long the sanctification process takes. Um, but just like smoking meats. There are uh, signs you can see throughout the process, but I related it to smoking brisket. Smoking brisket can take twelve hours, sort of like your, sort of like your uh, your barber, your pork shoulder there, can take you know, twelve hours uh, just to cook alone. And at about the halfway mark, you should start to see you know different things. Um, so I wrote a blog called Sanctification, like smoking meats, and uh, we forget that the sanctification process takes a long, long time. And yeah, you can see process or you can see progress along the way but uh man it takes a long time and we forget it we neglect Dude, that it. is that is that is fantastic i love that um that makes me think of just you pulling a spiritual application from from smoking meats there so the church that i went to growing up the like a lot of churches do had a had a children's sermon or a children's moment during the sermon and at my church what we would do uh kids would sign up for their turn with the box. And when you had the box, you would try to put something in there to stump the pastor. And his goal was to, when he opened the box, come up with an on-the-spot spiritual application for whatever it was that you had put in the box. And so you you draw in that spiritual application from smoking meats there, man, you would have been perfect. Come on, man. That would have been fantastic. This morning, uh, (laughs) my wife was pressing in our French press, the coffee, and uh, it, ex- it kind of popped out. There was sort of an air problem, um, and it burned her hand. And uh, so when we were spending some time praying later that morning, later this morning, after after we drank some coffee and ate our breakfast and did some reading and all that kind of stuff, we were spending some time praying. And I prayed with her. I was praying out loud, and I prayed, and I thanked God that this little reminder that we're saved from the fiery burns of hell for all eternity. And my wife had a similar reaction. She, uh, I was praying genuinely. It was a good reminder, but she right. sort of, she sort of right. chuckled, uh, <laughs> quite. Yeah. So, well, but uh, that's what we did for Valentine's. You smoked a meat. You smoked a pork shoulder. Uh, it was a good weekend for me. And then back to the grindstone this week. And speaking of back to the grindstone, we'll get into sort of our first segment here, where. The first half of this episode, we'll, we'll cover a few current events, uh, a few a few news topics that will feed well into probably what this episode is titled uh, and sort of what the news has pointed us to think about this week. But let's follow up on a story we covered last week, Justin. Trump's impeachment trial. Former president, uh, the office of the former president, was put on to uh, impeachment trial by the Senate, and he was acquitted. He was acquitted of the charges... On the surface, I saw that six, I think it was, Republicans voted to um, voted to find him guilty. I I think I'm missing the the lawyer jargon that they use. Uh, Indict. They voted to indict him. So I'm wondering where did the other votes? Because he had 57 to 43 majority. So I'm wondering where what what I'm trying to do math. What 13 is that right? What 13 or 14 Democrats voted to acquit him? Very interesting. 
Yeah, I have. I have no idea. Honestly, I saw that he was acquitted after the fact. Um, I don't know how the votes fell. I did see that there were six Republicans. The the one thing that stuck out though is just how quickly the whole process moved. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember the the last impeachment. You know, a whole year ago. <laughs> right. Um, it felt like that thing. It didn't necessarily drag on, but it was it was a spectacle, mm-hmm. right? Like it was it was on TV. There were all kinds of things that went into that. Um, this one, it almost felt like it was over before it started. I mean, just right. like that. Well, it does seem like um, sort of the the flack that the accusers, the the Democratic Party uh, accusers, were taking maybe maybe motivated that to get this process over with. Uh, get it out of the news as quickly as possible because a lot of people sympathized right. with with Trump. We talked about the last episode. Ever since he's kind of gotten off of the out of the public eye, he, he gets a little bit more sympathy. People are a lot more sympathetic to his cause. So a lot of people all across the aisle were sort of like, "This is can you even impeach a former president? This is silly." Um, so I think they saw that. Maybe they rushed the process. Maybe they knew they weren't going to get enough votes to um, indict, but. I think this raised a this, this raised a point that we'll talk about later, but but you brought up a good way of putting this um, the 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 mentality of politics these days, which you could argue is not the case with those six Republicans, though. Maybe I'll make a point about that in a second. It definitely seems like we're in a stage of politics in America where it's my team versus your team, and this impeachment I think proved that um, maybe even more so than the last impeachment. That it, it, it was sort of just a, a Democrats versus, versus Republicans and whichever line that you fell on voting wise or maybe you didn't vote Republican but you sympathized with the Republicans or vice versa. That's the side of the impeachment argument you heard because those are the sources you're listening to. But that's also the side of the impeachment argument that you felt was true. So you thought Trump should be impeached if you're maybe lean more Democrat. And uh, vice versa, and I'm talking about without a true investigation of your own mind into what happened on January 6th, Republicans just instantly thought, because they see, you know, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell stating this and, and all, that no, he, he's, he's innocent, we have to acquit him. There's a my team element to politics going on right now, which is very dangerous to the country. And I think you brought up why, before we started recording, so I'll pass it on to you, why you brought up that it's dangerous. You made analogies to sports, but what do you find is the dangers between my my, my team mentality of, of politics versus just a make-your-own-investigation sort of politics? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so the, the thing that I, I mentioned to you, like you said, is my team, your team. What I've, what I've noticed, there's almost no... Um, like level-headedness when it comes to politics right now. Um, and I've noticed that even within myself, like when the person that I more relate to, the more that I that I would maybe likely vote for, who, who identifies with my party maybe, if something comes out about them, whether it's good or bad, my initial reaction is to see that in a favorable light for them. If it's a negative headline, then my first thought is I've got to defend that person. Like surely it's not as bad, it's just – Somebody trying to make them look bad. If it's a good thing, I'm like, hey, everybody, look at how great uh, this this guy is. You brought up um, the sports thing. Uh, you and I uh, like rival football teams in college football, and yep. you brought up that if a Clemson <laughs> University player yeah. and a South Carolina, you know, there could be two articles side by side. Clemson University player, South Carolina University player, you know, cheats on exam, must must miss football game you're 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 more apt to look for oh well maybe he was overworked maybe he didn't actually cheat you know you're more more apt to look on your side 
probably the same for me. I'm more apt to be like, ah, he's a good kid. No, no way. And that has has, right. has left poli- has left sports and invaded politics. Yeah, and so so what I've seen there is people on let, let's go with just social media in general. Um, <clears throat> people have their their kind of their prior mindset on they they have their ideas of how things are. Yeah, their presuppositions, good word. Um, so they'll say, oh man, Trump's absolutely guilty. They have to vote to convict. Convict, that's the word we were looking for earlier. Indict, um, convict, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I have no clue. what that, There is a difference. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the, what the difference is. <laughs> anyway, they'll say, yeah, we should absolutely vote to convict him here. Like, absolutely, he's, he's guilty of, of what they've charged him with. But then if you ask the question why, they'll say, well, hey, aren't you listening? Aren't you paying attention? But then on the other side, somebody will say, oh, no, absolutely, he's not guilty. He's, he's going to be acquitted. And when you ask why, they'll say the same thing. Aren't you paying attention? Mm. So my question is, who, who are these people that we're supposed to be paying attention to that are, that are so informed that I don't have to be informed? I just listen to the person telling me what to think. That is a good point. Right? And uh, it's, it, 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 there's a much larger cultural issue of people being taught. It starts in public schools, and then it continues on into who you listen to for policy and stuff like that, of being taught what to think, not how to think. And so the news has definitely adapted, adapted that. They just tell you what to think about a news story, not how to think about a news story. Little yeah. things like, little, little things like uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of like a small town kind of a story that might pop up on the news that someone just reports. And they just report it, and you're just supposed to be told that that is what to think. And t- in today's world, you, you must learn how to think because the – the facts aren't always as they seem. Um, but I'll tell you, man, the my team mentality of politics that we saw in this impeachment, we see now with the new president. President Biden, uh, I don't know if you saw, but at his, in, at his in, not his impeachment, but his uh, inauguration, he was wearing a Rolex. And there were articles yeah. written about how he was the, the fashionista in chief kind of a thing. Like, oh, look how great he is for... For his fashion statements of wearing these expensive watches, you best believe, um, you best believe that there are conservative media outlets that flipped that and said, "Oh my gosh, he's supposed to be for the people, and he's wearing thousand dollar whatever <laughs> right. dollar watches." But but also on the other end of it, the, the speculative end of it, if they did this with Trump, I mean, Trump could uh, Melania could wear something super expensive, or Trump could, and it gets flipped to be you know he's he's showing that he's not one of the people. But then Joe Biden does it, and the ones who sympathize with Joe report it in a different light than they would have. Uh, yeah. You see it yeah, with the current just, press secretary. Yeah, yeah. What, whatever happens, mm-hmm. whatever my presuppositions are, whatever the media's presuppositions are, they're going to look at their guy favorably one way or another. And we're taught to the, think this way. Yeah. We, we Christians, because we have a worldview that argues for truth and honesty and fairness we have to learn to think for ourselves and look for truth and honesty and what is fair and what is right and and obviously truth comes from the bible so if if truth tells us not to have double standards because that's what the scripture tells us then we ought not have double standards but but that goes on but but truth comes from the scriptures and we should be looking for truth and standing up for truth as christians Thinking for ourselves. If jo- if Joe Biden goes to Camp David and plays Mario Kart with his granddaughter, apparently he won. Uh, yeah, playing he, as he Luigi. The article said yeah. he was playing as Luigi. Um, we should be able to look at that and be like, okay, he, maybe he needs some time away. But then when Trump goes golfing, we shouldn't hold such a double standard. 
Right. Hey, real quick, since we brought it up, do do you play Mario Kart? I've I've played it before. <laughs> but you're not you're not like an avid Mario. No, Kart I don't have man. a Wii or a Nintendo Switch or oh, anything man. like that. You, you gotta you gotta get one for for your youth, man. That's maybe that's the only way I play it. Do you like? I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask who's your Mario Kart guy. I I stay with uh, not Luigi, but but why Luigi? Actually, I don't know why, but that's always been my. It's because you're evil, man. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Who's no, the I did see that though. Who's the turtle? Uh, the, Bowser? No, the turtle. Uh, the little the, turtle. Uh, Yoshi. Uh, Yashi. Oh, Yoshi. That, yeah. Isn't he in Mario Kart? Turtle? I like to play as Baby yeah, uh, Baby Yoshi. Wow. Yeah, man. It's my wow. inner kid. Baby I immediately regret chasing that that rabbit trail there. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Speaking <laughs> but, of my but no. Yeah, go, go ahead. Speaking of my team politics, man, this, uh, this stuff coming out of New York that is not being reported on unless you click on certain... Yeah. Uh, news news outlets that might be right. more apt to report this. Cuomo and the New York government, uh, it came out that they neglected to report up to 15,000 deaths from COVID in nursing homes alone. Yes. yes. But who's reporting um, on this, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the conservative media, right? Um, it's, it's certainly not the the liberal media who held Cuomo up as the the picture of how to lead during mm. a pandemic. He wrote a book, man. He wrote a book. He did. <laughs> he did. He and, won an Emmy uh, as well. And that is that is absolutely mind blowing that this is a guy who his administration was hiding this stuff. And, and to be fair, I don't know that they were actually hiding deaths they were just counting them as hospital deaths as opposed to nursing home deaths i think mm-hmm. is what happened uh pretty sure there um but they're they're fudging the numbers to to make themselves look better to to stay out of uh, hot water based on their poor policy decisions uh, and and all the while that they're making these bad decisions they're being lifted up as excellent leaders that is absolutely bad and the poor policy decisions that you're saying are um, nursing home folks who got COVID at the hospital or wherever they yeah. were tested and they and they had COVID, they were sent back to their their nursing homes to quarantine. Yes. But but additionally, there were non nursing age people who got COVID, and the policy was that the nursing homes were a good place to quarantine those folks. Um, so so young people like you and me, I saw one. There's a video out there. It went viral of a sort of a mentally challenged person with COVID who was sent to the nursing home to quarantine and the video went viral because he was like messing with one of the older folks but it turns out this was a guy with covid who was sent to the to the nursing home to quarantine so that's the policy you're talking about you're not talking about like travel bans or anything like that you're talking about straight up they sent sick people into they sent nursing sick nursing home people back into the nursing home where the virus spread the worst because those are the most vulnerable folks it it absolutely ripped through those nursing homes like wildfire. It just tore through them um, because, like you said, they thought, oh well, that'll be a good place for them to uh, to to quarantine. And what we what we really know about the virus is that that's actually the worst place we could have put those people because that's putting them in close proximity to the folks who are most at risk. Yeah, and it spreads through, from what I understand, the COVID spreads most through households uh, and yeah. particularly through like air conditioning and, that, and being in the same environment and it, it having yeah. a, an environment to live in. So you put someone a door down from a COVID patient 
you hate to say it, or it's funny to think of it this way, but it gets in the vents, you know what I mean? Or it, or it spreads by little interactions, and that's the worst place it needs to be spread. <clears throat> and the, the yep. problem with this story is not that the New York government and, Gov- and Governor Cuomo had a bad policy. Because people make mistakes in policy. I mean, Fauci, if the mask is actually working now, then we need to look back to like last April when Fauci said, don't wear masks, stop buying masks, and be like, that was a bad move, right? If the mask is actually working. Because he told yeah. us at one point not to wear them, that it was that there was no science to back it up. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say people make bad, people make mistakes in policy. Uh, I'm sure if Trump could do it over again, he might would have banned certain travels far earlier. You know what I mean? They might would have told everybody to stay home far earlier because people make mistakes. The problem is not that he made a mistake. The problem is that, like you said, they tried to fudge the numbers to make it look like his extremely deathly mistake wasn't quite as deathly or deadly. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so you have them fudging the numbers to cover up a mistake. And then even now you have like a brief mention of it in, in the news media as to what happened and it's still this this kind of culture of cover-up uh, defend the people who are on your side and that <clears throat> that's really frustrating for me because um, listen I grew up and I was always taught and I know probably everybody listening was always taught honesty is the best policy right mm-hmm. if you mess up dude own up to it admit your mistake ask for forgiveness and then figure out how you can fix it as soon as possible. And I, I just wish we could see some of that from our politicians. And that goes to right, left, middle. Um, we have to stop being so like my team, your team, that kind of mentality when really we're all trying to work together for, I mean, the, the good of our society, right? Right. No. Well, listen, I think this feeds well into a, a topic that more Christians need to talk about. So I think we're going to flip some things around here. Justin, speaking of culture right. of cover-up, listen, we can, beat, uh, we can beat this horse to death. They did a bad yeah. thing. They were maybe trying to avoid getting investigated for said nursing home policy, and so they, yeah. they tried to move the numbers around and cover it up. That's bad. We Christians can look at that because we believe thou shalt not lie, <laughs> thou, thou shalt not bear false witness. Right. We believe this kind of thing, so we can sit there and go, that's bad. You are a problem. You our God, our worldview, the true worldview says that is wrong. And, and he should rightly be investigated. The, the whole situation should all that rightly be done from the Christian worldview. But my team, your team, covering things up to try and hide things, this is a much deeper issue with among Christians. And you see this mostly. Here's where we're going to move into next. You see this very evidently in the Ravi Zacharias stuff. Do you want to try and cover what or sum up what this Ravi Zacharias stuff has come out to be? Um, let's, uh, have you, have you read the, the investigation there? Have you read the report from it? I'm not sure I've read the report. I've heard some folks talk about it. I understand sort of yeah. what the allegations are. Yeah. So I, I, I started to read through it and it was, it was really frustrating to, to look at just knowing, um, some of what even mine, my mindset was looking into it. Basically though, what we have is a guy who was um, the like leader in Christian apologetics, right? Like this huge voice, um, this huge leader in that field. Um, someone who a lot of people looked up to, and it, it turns out 
Um, he's a, a sexual predator, right? Um, he's he's essentially grooming uh, people to, to sexually abuse them. Um, he's kind of got to a point where it sounds like he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do with whoever he wanted to do it with. So as I understand it, he, uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries, RZ International Ministries, RZIM, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. owned one or two massage parlors nearby their yeah. office. And the yeah. first kind of sin that came out of this, the first kind of hypocrisy that you just kind of talked about was the allegation that he would go to these massage parlors and get more than a massage um, yeah. and pressured the masseuses, the ladies, the lady masseuses into doing that. But yeah. now I'm seeing reports of, of sexting and just a whole yeah. double life of going out to conferences speaking at a conference and lining up um, some sort of sexual partner to be with him that yeah. night that I think he's married. That wasn't his wife or anything like that uh, or, or really was outside of marriage. So it's wrong anyways. Um, is that true? Am I right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're right there. Um, the, w- the one that's, that's kind of the most glaring to me, uh, there's a woman, uh, I can't remember her first name. Her last name's Thompson. She had been kind of making these claims that he had abused her, um, and this goes way back. Uh, her husband was trying to, to take her side of things, and um, Ravi's uh, organization was pouring money into silencing uh, this woman as well. So that's one in particular that was kind of the uh, the first one to kind of bring some of this to light. Um and I think I think a conversation about what happened with her is where part of where we want to go with this because as as she brought it up, the initial reaction from not just Ravi's organization but from anybody who heard about it who was a, a Ravi supporter was oh she's just she's trying to get money mm-hmm. like she's yeah well there have been a fair number of of false allegations made about public figures um, sure allegations that have so a lot of people I think like you said that like Christian apologetics. I don't even know who Ravi Zacharias is. Really, I've never really heard him talk, but I know he's a Christian apolo- apologetics guy. So I was kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I always kind of knew, like, oh, that's one of the good ones. You know what I mean? He's out there speaking at, at colleges. He's out there speaking at conferences. He's one of the good yeah. ones. Now, I think if you look into his some of that stuff that he used to say at colleges, and he spoke at the Mormon Tabernacle one time and did not tell them uh, to repent and trust in the true Jesus. Maybe some of that points to the fact that maybe he was, you know, he was living a double life. We could have seen some of these things, but you're right. I think we all just kind of were like, that's one of the good ones. He's on our team. You know what I mean? She's not on our team. A lot of folks and and a lot of folks on RZIM did that too, because uh, there are allegations going back 30 years now. Most notably, there's allegations going back, I think 17 years is kind of when it, when some of this stuff sort of started. There's a whole problem in here. It's not just my team versus your team. It's not just Christians versus people trying to attack the church, which is what one might have thought this was. Man, the danger also is in Christian celebrities. Uh, we get Christians get this celebrity about them. They become very popular uh, conference speakers. Um, I think it's a, it's a darn shame that far too many of these megachurch pastors or conference speakers, or, or both, they're a megachurch pastor who also is a conference speaker, holds their own conferences at their megachurch and all that kind of stuff, they fall. They have a moral failure. And this is what this is. Now, now this is a very bad moral failure. This is not, yeah. with Ravi Zacharias, a one-time affair that he repented of and 
step down from his ministry after doing. No, Ravi Zacharias was caught or people saw messages on his phone and were like, what is this? And apparently he <laughs> would cover it up or he would just tell them basically, you don't have the right to ask me about this. <clears throat> this is a whole danger in Christian celebrity here where you get this mentality of you can do whatever you want. And then that's where sin yeah. creeps into your heart. The, the most, when you're most vulnerable is when you think that you're impenetrable. Yep. A- absolutely. Uh, I'm looking at the report or not the report. I'm looking at a story about the report now. And, um, <clears throat> It's crazy. Uh, realistically, as Christians, no, none of us are at a point where we don't sin, right? Like, you and I are going to sin probably today and probably multiple times, right? It's, it's just going to happen. Um, but the, the idea is when our sin is found out, whether whether we bring that to light or somebody points it out, we repent and, and we want to, to do everything we can to move away from sin. Um, so what I'm seeing here is, he made a statement at one point <clears throat> about how he had never engaged in any kind of sexual misconduct and the very next day received nudes, nude photos mm. from, from a woman. Um, and, and so what, what we're looking at isn't just a guy who like had this moral failing. He actively denied the moral failing while he was still engaging in it. And you just have to ask yourself why. And I think that goes to that culture you're talking about of, the Christian celebrity because he's, he's such a high figure, like so revered. If, if he admits to his moral failing, then it's almost like everything he's built would crumble. Right. Right. That is the Christian. The danger of Christian celebrity is you get puffed up in your own celebrity that you think I'm impenetrable. I can do whatever I want. The Lord has blessed me. You know, that sin I committed on accident, right. well, listen, I'm still getting conference gigs and nobody's found out. Clearly the Lord is blessing me. That's a problem. But then what you just said is also a problem. Um, and, and, and Christian celebrity, I want Christians out there who are listening who are not conference speakers. Because <laughs> the majority of our audience, <laughs> including the two hosts here, are not conference speakers, not mega right. church pastors, nothing like that. What, what you need to understand about this story, I think also, is the, the danger of the unrepentant heart. Um, believers are called to repent to repent once for all like in that moment of born again and you hear the gospel for the first time and you say no more will I be a, a drug addict or a, an angry you know abusive husband or a porn addict or a, a sexual abuser or anything like that no more will I be that I will now strive to follow Christ that's the once for all repentance that's the once for all turning from sin and trusting in the Lord and then every day like Justin said you must repent every day. You must the, the temptations that come into your mind to go back to what you what you repented of in your salvation. Every day you must turn away from that stuff, and you may commit that sin, and you turn away from it after that, and you have a repentant heart, a heart that hates what you've done, a heart that hates your sin, a heart that's willing, you know, if you're found out, to repent, to to confess and repent. Clearly, that's not what Ravi Zacharias had. And that's a problem because I think there's a ton of pew sitters. I'll pass this on to you. I think there's a ton of pew sitters who are Ravi Zacharias without the Christian celebrity. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's Hey, listen, that's something else that you know, I don't even think we plan to talk about. <clears throat> but my my view of, of the church even for a long time has been this is a place where we should be able to come and confess our sins, mm-hmm. not... 
in a closed door to a priest that we're not Catholic to confess our sins to a community of believers who will then help us to move on from that sin. And here's, here's part of the problem. We're so uncomfortable talking about sin. We don't want our own sin to come to light. Mm. We don't want to confess our sin to the people that should be like the, the, the folks in our life who help us to, um, to, to stay accountable for that, to, to move on from it. Um, so like you said, there are people in our churches. Um, I, I, I think it would almost be fair to say, maybe we don't want to say the majority of people in our churches. Um, a fair number though, a, a, a large number of people in our churches, um, we're so uncomfortable with our own sin, with the topic of sin that we're unwilling to, to realize sin is a reality and we have to confess it. And we can't, it can't just be that private confession between you and the Lord, right? Um, I mean, that's important. But I'll tell you, in my, my own personal life, the only way that I'm ever moving on from sin is if somebody knows I'm struggling with that sin. Mm. Accountability. Right. Yeah, you have to have accountability. And the only way to have that is to confess that sin. Well, I think uh, the other thing I wanted to point out or talk about with the Ravi Zacharias thing is the danger of ministries like his, parachurch ministries, so meaning ministries not in a church. So like an apologetics ministry. You think of like Ravi Zacharias International Ministries or that guy, William Lane Craig. As far as I understand, his his apologetics ministry is not, it's not, he's not a pastor of a church. He is an apologetics, you know, parachurch minister. Uh, Frank Turek, I think, is, is very similar uh, you could even count the guy who wrote the case, the case for faith or the case for Christ. Um, case for Christ. Strobel. Strobel, Lee Strobel. Yeah, these are apologetics guys. The danger is when you have guys like Ravi Zacharias who run apologetics ministries that aren't tied to a local church. That goes for any ministry. You got a Christian band out there. Uh, if you you should be tied directly. Here's what I mean. I'll explain what I mean by tied to. But you should be tied directly to a local church, meaning there should be a pastor or a group of pastors. There should be elders of a local church, shepherds of a local church that are watching over what you do in your parachurch ministry so that you are uh, rightly uh, holding up the name of Christ. That you are holding, if you're a minister, like an apologetics minister, sort of like Ravi Zacharias, that when you yes. look at 1 Timothy 3, you have those qualifications and you're upholding those qualifications. And there are men, pastors, accountable for your soul, just like church members yeah, who go absolutely. and who go and they say like, uh, you know, they're watching over your work. You know, they're making sure that in your um, in your day trading, if that's what you do for a living and you're financial advising, you're not stealing from your clients or whatever it is you do for work. The danger of apologetics ministries that aren't tied to a local church is you get someone like this. No evidence that he was ever a church member or that he was a church member. No evidence that there were pastors looking over his ministry, shepherds overlooking his ministry, making sure he was staying in line with the word and staying in line with what he needed to be, his own qualifications to hold his ministry. Yeah, and uh, that's that's actually, um, I'm going to shout out my pastor, uh, Josh, that's something he's even talking about on, on just the local level, him being the like lead pastor of a church. He has mentors that he, that he interacts with that, that he talks to. Um, so we're talking about like Christian celebrity here, but I think even just Christian leadership in general, mm. you, you cannot be just the, the top dog and there's nobody that you're accountable to. 
Um, so, like I said, we started with, with Christian celebrity almost, but I, I think we need to, to bring that down to just, like I said, Christian leadership in general. Well, and um, every church member should be accountable to their pastors or they're, account- they're accountable, you know, their pastors should be accountable for them. So they're overlooking their lives. And, you know, first yeah. John, I think it's first John one, eight, one, seven. He, he talks about what you, what you talked about a minute ago. John says, you know, if we confess our sins to one another, we walk in the light and we have fellowship with one another. The church yeah. should not be a place where you come in with your secrets and, and, and all that. It should be a place where we're a community of other believers who are helping one another walk in the light of confession to God and confession to one another. And I'll tell you, man, that, that, that lifts a burden off of your shoulders when you are walking in the light with one another. Um, yes. So I have a I have somewhat of a similar story to Ravi Zacharias. I'm not going to go into detail. Maybe we'll devote a whole episode to that. But I had secret sin in my own life, very similar uh, secret sin in my own life that... Uh, I had to con- that I needed to confess. Well, I confessed it to God over and over again, and that didn't seem to work. Certainly, we're not yeah. saying that your sins are forgiven when you <clears throat> confess to your pastor or when you confess to a brother or a sister in Christ. What we're saying is your war against that sin. Uh, it helps when you have other people backing you up. You know what I mean? When it's not yeah. you versus an army of sin, when it's you and an army of other believers, uh, as well as the grace of Christ backing you up. That's how you help. So I'm writing a book on repentance. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Uh, and I think no. in the Ravi Zacharias story, I have a chapter devoted to the joy of repentance, the joy of walking in repentance. Mm-hmm. And one of that is the joy of walking in the light from first John chapter one It is such a joy to walk in the light amongst other people because you start to conquer your own sin. But man, there is just a joy. I mean, there's the reason God Christ set it up this way when he established his church of telling other people. Not, not the joy of boasting in your sin. Oh, I did this last night, but the joy of telling one another and helping one another along, bearing each other's burdens. Voice crack. <laughs> no, so, so you, you are writing a book right now, though? Is that what you're Yeah, doing? I'm uh, three chapters in. I think it's only going to be seven chapters or so. So I've Dude. written the first little bit of it. Um, I finished a chapter yesterday. It was just sort of a, a brief overview of repentance that sort of once for all versus daily or once for all combined with daily repentance. Now I'm getting into some of the nittier, grittier chapters. Dude, that's, that's awesome. Um, I had no idea that you were doing that. I'm really interested to see what you're uh, putting together there. But no, like you said, um, we, we have to, to bring that sin to light. And there is a joy in, in starting to overcome that sin with, other other believers pouring into you and even being able to share with them like hey yeah i'm i'm walking farther away from that sin like right that, there is joy there so this started with the my team stuff with ravi zacharias but there is sort of but but the reason that is is because when you get into this infallibility mindset someone is infallible my team is infallible it, it can affect your own heart you your own heart can believe that you're infallible uh so you need to watch yourself the reason we bring up repentance in the life of a christian is because you don't see it in Ravi Zacharias' story here, that there was not yeah. true repentance um, yeah. of his sin when he was called out, or even in his own private life. He, he perhaps was doing this sort of thing for 30 years. There wasn't that repentance. There wasn't that accountability from, from the church. So yeah. instead of just being like, he's okay to do that, or my team or anything, you need to look into your own heart, Christian out there, and see whether you're, you're living a double life like that. If you need to walk in the light, 
and it's not just my team versus anybody else. That's not what church is about. That's not what walking as a Christian is about. It's about communal helping each other, bearing each other's burdens, walking in the light with one another. So take this as a lesson. As much as it is that we can learn a lesson of, well, we shouldn't be my team versus them. We, we, should, we shouldn't be, you know, Christian celebrities infallible. We need to learn the lesson of having a local church, being a part of a local body where you, uh, to the pastor and to other church members, can confess with one another and help each other walk away from sin. Would you say Definitely. you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, <clears throat> I, I'll share just briefly. When I was in college, um, I had no desire to, to really be a part of a church ministry. I was in a town where I knew I wasn't going to stay around. So I went to a church where basically nobody was going to know my name. It was a larger church. I could walk in and just kind of blend in. Um, but that was also a time in my life where uh, I wasn't confessing sin to anyone. Um, I could live my life how I wanted to. Um, and there was there was really nobody who could even look into my life and say, like, hey, I, I noticed some things are, are maybe going on here. Because I wasn't close to anyone who was, you know, I mean, I was close to my family. But I wasn't close to anyone at, at college who would really be able to say, like, Justin, there are some things going on in your life. And, and I think you've spoken to that, too, about the that part of the reason to be involved in that local body yeah listen the local church is not your movie theater where you show up and you watch some people sing some songs and you watch some guy give a talk the local church is the assembly it is the gra- the gathering of believers who take the lord's supper together who pray together, who sing together, who listen to God's word proclaimed together and bear each other's burdens together in that Sunday morning, that Lord's Day morning meeting, but also throughout the week where members of the church enjoy fellowship with one another throughout the week. So learn from this situation about repentance and church membership. I think it's good things to learn. So let's just jump in. Let, let's let's just jump into the perhaps the main topic of this episode that I think we some of the stuff we talked about earlier plays into this. But... Justin, so many times uh, do you hear, we, we went to a, a youth camp over the fall with my youth ministry, and one after another, these college students who were kind of leading the camp, these these adult leaders that were college students, they'd get up and they'd share sort of a testimonial at these big worship services that we had, and each one of them, one after another, was sort of a, 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 a moratorium on 2020. Uh, and that was the end of 2020, so we were still in 2020, but it was the fall, so we had kind of come out of all the summer, and life was getting a little bit back to normal. But uh, man, one after another, these these people came up and they gave their testimony of 2020, and it was just sad things after a sad thing, like uh, my college graduation was canceled, uh, my, uh, you know, uh, I, I had to go home, I wasn't able to finish college, or, or maybe they were a senior in high school, and now they're a college student, so they were like, my senior year of high school, I didn't get to experience, right. just, and, and that's good things to like, that's good things, you know, those, well, those are bad things, That it's good to recognize those things, like life was different at the end of 2020, life was different, well, in the beginning, and it still is different, we're still 15 days to slow the spread, almost coming up on 365 <laughs> of those, 15 days to slow the spread, so yeah. 2020 was a tough year, a bad year, one might say. But I think what we just talked about in politics and what we just talked about with, with somebody like Ravi Zacharias, Christians need to understand 2020 wasn't just a bad year. It wasn't just a tough year. I believe, I, I posit to you, Justin, that 2020 is 
the great catalyst or was the great catalyst that has and so a catalyst in chemistry is like a a, a thing that helps a, a bond happen it sort of speeds the process up so Spe- speeds up a reaction speeds yeah. up a reaction so 2020 was the great catalyst for a lot of things a lot of things came to a boil or were coming to a boil and then boiled up real fast right under the nose of many christians I believe 2020 was the great catalyst. We have a few things we want to talk about. Do you think the same about 2020? What What are your thoughts on 2020? Did you ever go to a youth camp where yeah. they sort of gave a mem- an immemorial of 2020 and how bad it was yeah. or anything like that? Uh, so no, we we didn't go to a, a camp or anything. Um, but yes, I think you're I think you're definitely right. I think that um, there were there was a lot that made 2020 unique, right? Um, First of all, like you said, things had kind of been been coming to a to a little bit of a, a fever pitch, maybe, um, with with some some things in politics that were just getting a little crazy. But I think what happened when when the virus really got bad and we had to to quarantine, everybody's staying at home, everybody's almost trapped in their own minds. All you have is social media and your own mind right to kind of to kind of process what's going on um i think people got trapped into little echo chambers and it it really did allow people to really get entrenched in some mindsets and um like you said just this this thing that was already going to happen because of the unique challenges of 2020 the stress of 2020 and then just being quarantined for so long uh, really, really sped that reaction up. Sped, speeded. <laughs> I it, think it's sped. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I agree. I know. Um, one of the sort of one of the political commentators that I follow throughout the week, um, he blamed a lot of the 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 the, the BLM riots over the summer that burned a lot of cities down. He said, he 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 said he didn't even know how much of it was racially motivated. And it was all, he said a lot of it he thought was just stress because people have been locked in their homes at that point for yeah. for only three months. Now it's been like a year almost. Yeah. Just locking you, in your I home. I don't disagree with that. No, I don't disagree I with it either because yeah. locking somebody in their home to their own mind, but not even to their own mind, to just nonsensical Netflix shows over and over again. I yeah. can't tell you how much HGTV I watched <laughs> during the quarantining and all this because you don't go anywhere and school's canceled and all this kind of stuff right like that sort of stuff came to a boiling point but 2020 i read a tweet about the election and i'm not going to say that this is true or not but i think i'm going to spin it into another direction the tweet said you lose a country very slowly and then very quickly oh. um so so you lose a country by a slow kind of a cold war sort of happening over decades and decades and decades and then in an instant you've lost your country that's what he was making the argument for and now he was making the argument based on a stolen election or stuff like that i'm not going to say that That, that's not what this episode is about but i will say 2020 was the catalyst to what has been happening for decades and decades and decades uh all of this built up very slowly and then happened very fastly very quickly ha happened in an instant fastly happened in an instant the government the government uh there have been a couple of notable things that have given the government a lot of power uh the patriot act after 9-11 gave the government a ton of power with security not just airports touching you and feeling you to see what you've got hidden all over your body but like 
the power to go in and read your emails if they want. Uh, listen, that that's some that's some interesting stuff. But it's sort of come to a head with 2020, where now the government can tell you you're not allowed to leave your house in certain areas. Certain states enforce <laughs> it differently. Certain counties enforce it differently. But man, uh, I saw a video in Wisconsin. Uh, I kind of sounded I kind of sounded there like I was from Wisconsin. But you, you did a little bit in Wisconsin, where the police came to a woman's house. And said, I heard your boy went down the street to play with some neighbor friends. You're going to have to stop that or we'll ticket wow. you. Wow. I mean, that stuff comes to a head in 2020. That stuff has come yeah. to a head. That's sort of the, the government, you know, the, the, the little tyrants that we have in our governments, that we've had in our governments for decades after decades that have tried to do things. And then 2020 yeah. gave them that excuse. That's just one thing that I've seen with 2020. A lot of things coming to a boiling point, a catalyst, a reaction that's been building and building and building. You add this this virus to it. You add this staying at home orders to it, and it came to a boil. You notice anything? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I want to go back. You mentioned um, the some of the whether you call them protests or, or riots or whatever it was over the summer. Um, it was it was almost like throwing. Uh, a match onto gasoline, right? Mm. So, so people are already stuck at home, already frustrated. And then you see like um, the the George Floyd thing that happened, and people were then given a reason to to be outside, to to protest, to march. And one thing I don't want to do is to take away from the legitimacy of the pain and and hurt that some people felt there, because. Um, Listen, even I had kind of a, a strong reaction to the to the George Floyd thing, and that's not what we're talking about. Um, but, you know, George Floyd was not the, the first person that, that caught our attention mm. when it comes to some kind of potential police brutality thing. I think that it uniquely impacted us because all of our attention was drawn to the either our, our cell phones or the television. Um do you know what I'm saying there? Like, yeah, no, it, I, I have it a impacted us in a in a. Go ahead. I have a feeling that uh, folks wouldn't have folks wouldn't have reacted as violently to the race issues that happened over this summer if the lockdowns and stuff hadn't happened. But it definitely came to a boiling point because we haven't necessarily been having conversations about these issues. Yeah. We've had people sounding off on Twitter or sounding off on the news yeah. about these. Like, like conservatives don't want to have a conversation. Why do you feel unsafe around police to, to African Americans? Yeah. They don't want to have this yeah. conversation. They just want to sound off and be like, "Well, don't you know the statistics actually prove that white yeah. people are killed by police more yeah. often?" That's a statistical truth, but it doesn't answer the question of why do do black yeah. folks feel more uneasy around the police? Why do they feel like they have to tell yeah. their kids what to do? And, and I'm not saying that feelings are the answer. I'm saying we need to have a conversation about this. But people. Yeah. For the last twenty years, especially the last so eight or nine years, when um, when Trayvon Martin was killed, that sort of kicked this off. Barack Obama was president. It was two thousand ten or eleven, somewhere around there, twelve maybe. When Trayvon Martin was killed, you know, not many people wanted to have a conversation about what happened that night or what the issue is around the race stuff. They just want to sound off on Twitter. They just want to go on Twitter and and sound off. Dude, that's going to go straight back to our conversation about my team, your team. Mm. There's there's the side of it that's very pro-gun, right? And so anytime we see something like that happen, 
our 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 thought is like no we have to we have to defend the right to bear arms so whoever has been killed unjustly surely it was it was their fault somehow uh, or even if it wasn't their fault let's just ignore it let's talk about um the like you said the statistics or let's defend the person who did it mm-hmm. and that's where we rush to that um <clears throat> and then even on the the other side of that the folks who want to see more gun restrictions They'll, they'll maybe take advantage when they see a story. They'll say, hey, this is exactly why we need to have gun laws, gun restrictions. And again, we're not talking to each other. We're talking at each other. And all of that, like you said, very slowly, what was just kind of our culture, it, it, it was building and building and building. And then all of a sudden, 2020 was the gunshot that set off the avalanche. Yeah, because with the, with the government overreach stuff, for it's been building and building inside of the church and so christians we're not just talking about things we're trying to help each other think and so when i talk about the 2020 as the great catalyst christians need to realize this stuff has been building up for years and now it's come to a head it's boiled right under our nose and now we have to answer for it and it's boiled in our churches i mean i can't tell you how much came out of this government overreach stuff and the church was 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 silent on it um maybe there's an episode to be done on romans 13 but so many have just given the government the keys to do whatever they want under the guise of, of Romans 13. And shutting down church might be really smart. Um, our church shut down at the beginning of all this because, one, we wanted to kind of listen to the government, but also we didn't know yeah. if this was going to have a kill rate of 50% like Ebola. I mean, if this yeah. thing was Ebola and it had a 50% oh, death man. rate, but it was as viral as COVID is, boy, you best believe I wouldn't have left my house <laughs> for 365 yeah. days. But it doesn't. Yeah. So we opened our church back up safely, and we ask our people to be safe. And the vulnerable folks, if they don't want to come, they stay home, and nobody's shaming them into that. But we gave the government the keys. Some churches are still shut down uh, because they don't want to get slapped with a fine by their church. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say Christians, for all these years, have sit there and the Romans 13, Romans 13, government is for our good. Well, only if it's doing good and punishing evil. That's what Romans 13 says. And we Christians have just handed the keys over to man. the government for everything and not sat there and thought, no, this is our domain, man. And government is yeah. ours. Christ yeah. owns this government, and it should run how Christ says it should run. And and even then, once it gets to the point where we say, wait a second, we've given over too much, it, two things. It's almost too late at that point because cause we say, wow, they can pretty much do whatever they want to. Um but but then also, have you noticed there's a way there's a way of fighting back that that might not be the most uh, constructive. Um, so so let me put it this way, um, like you said, and like your church did, our church shut down for a while um, because we thought it was the right thing to do. We've actually shut down uh, again at one point. Um, we were never told by the government, we had to shut down, right? Um, there were there were churches in, in different states who were told they had to shut down and who are still, still struggling with that. My thing is, um, when it came to the point where they, they, they needed to go against the government, 
it felt like there were times when it was even then, uh, hey, look at me, I'm going against the government mm. kind of mentality. Did you notice that at all? No, there are some There are some folks who are making a big deal about how good they are because they went after the government, but yeah. they oppose government overreach. No, I agree. Yeah. So, so like what I'm saying is um, I, we definitely need to take a stand. When we do take a stand, though, we need to make, a sh- we need to make sure that we're taking the stand for Christ mm. and not for me. Right. No, right. if we're going to open our church, even though the government says we'll get a fine, which neither one of us are in that situation right now. Yeah. Um, no, we need to do it not for virtue signaling, but for saying, no, Christ right. owns this building. Christ owns these right. people who meet in this building. And we're going right. to meet when we're supposed to meet because Christ says we should. Right. Yeah, not absolutely. because... Not because we shouldn't shut down because we want to virtue signal to the world. And how good are we? We shut down. I promise we're okay. Uh, that's sort of a seeker sensitiveness. We need to, uh, yeah. just in the same way, we don't need to shut down for virtue signaling. We don't need to open up for virtue signaling. And yeah. some, some have done that. Exactly. But this government overreach to, to say that you can shut down your church or that they can tell healthy people they're not allowed to leave their house. This has been boiling up. This sort of government stuff that that they can do now has been boiling up and Christians have just let it go. And what I'm telling Christians is 2020, instead of just being sad about 2020, oh, such a bad year, such a tough year, look at it and say, never again. But we're going to get into that in a second. The woke church stuff, man, and I don't mean like churches who are somewhat whatever. There have been some real things that have boiled up in 2020 that there are actual like apostates in major evangelicalism that have totally left the faith for wokeism. And I don't mean they stood up on a Sunday morning and said, let's have some talks about race issues. I don't mean that because, I no, I mean there was a major evangelical leader who just a few days ago came out with a written apology because he spoke at um, the the capital, the, the Catholic church in the capital city or the, the chapel in the Catholic city. He was asked to come and guest preach. And uh, they outed him for some quotes he made 20 years ago about gay marriage. And now he's apologizing for it and saying that his stance on gay marriage 20 years ago, which was anti-gay marriage, that's why he had to apologize it because the world doesn't like that. He's apologizing and saying that he needs Christ's forgiveness because 20 years ago he was anti-gay marriage. I mean, that's a total, that's total (laughs) woke church apostasy. And this has been boiling under our our noses as Christians, or at least it should have been. Little books written here or there, little sermons preached here or there by major evangelical leaders, not just your local church pastor who might be going, who might be going apostasy, who might be coming an apostate, by major evangelical leaders, that it all came to a boiling point in 2020. And we need to take that as a lesson and not let it happen again. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny to you mention that we're talking about somebody who apologized not for saying something hateful, right? Mm. Didn't didn't come out and call names or or really say anything even today that would be controversial, except in that culture of like accept everybody mm. as they are for who they are. That's just the way God made them. Nobody should ever have to change anything about themselves. He apologized for preaching Christ. Christ's yeah. truth about. Manhood, womanhood, marriage between man and a woman. He apologized for preaching Christ's truth. And and to 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 apologize for that is like we've we've lost the idea that that Christ's truth, the the gospel, should be offensive. 
Mm. Right? It it is offensive. It calls out sin for what it is. And to go back and apologize for not even calling out sin, but just just preaching truth. Yeah, the gospel that says the gospel that says Caesar does not own our church, Christ owns our church, which is what people were getting killed for in the early church. Uh, because they wouldn't say Caesar is king, they said Christ is king, uh, which we're doing now because we say the government is not king, Christ is king. You cannot shut down my church. You cannot tell me not to be a Christian. You cannot tell me not to believe Christian truth, even if it gets you put in jail, which we're not there yet, but maybe we will be one day. That that's That is the truth, and it is offensive because Christ is king, and those who don't know Christ is king get offended by that, and we have to stand for that truth. But this has come to a boiling point, in t- and it came to a boiling point in 2020. The, the, the virus that has brought a lot of people into eternity, none of this is about how the virus isn't real. <laughs> it does not have a 50% kill rate, which is very good um, for humanity's sake. It, it, it does not. It is not as deathly as the plague or anything like that. But it has killed some people, has brought many people into eternity. But this virus... And the lockdowns, they're, they're, they're behind and people shutting down. Man, so much came to a boil in 2020 that we as Christians now, post-2020, <laughs> post-2020, need to look out for in the future. If you're yeah, so member, how, do we, how do we do that? Well, if you're a member of a church, listen to what your pastor's preaching. Don't let him go down the woke apostasy. And I mean the actual woke apostasy. Some will hear the word woke and think that I'm against um, talking about race issues and stuff like that. I'm not. What I'm against is apologizing for preaching Christ's truth because it's offensive. Right. So watch right. out for your pastor or your pastors going down woke apostasy. Uh, and watch out as a Christian because Christ owns everything. We sort of talked about this last week. Watch out for what the government is doing. We need to start watching out now for what all these uh, 1,000 executive orders that were done in the first 24 hours of Joe Biden's presidency. What are they saying? What is his worldview? Because it ain't Christian. Uh, what is the government doing that isn't Christian, but Christ owns that government? We need to be watching out for that. See, that's a whole conversation to have, too, and maybe that's something we talk about at a later date. You said, what's his worldview? Because it ain't Christian. The thing is, there are people who would say it is. Like, you're talking about a, a government who almost every elected official on a federal level claims Christ. Right. Almost every one of them. Um but but in the same way that we all know people in our day-to-day lives, there are people who claim Christ who are elected officials who don't know him. Right. Um, so, so, so that's – sorry, that's not exactly what we were talking about. But I think that's an important thing to, to recognize too. Just because somebody says this is the Christian worldview, like I'm doing things because I'm a Christian, doesn't mean that's the case. Well, do they know where truth comes from? Because many people will, will claim Christ but then not believe his truth which is his word, right. which you talked about earlier. So we test it by what truth do they believe. If they're standing up there preaching that whiteness is original sin, which is what many people preach, um, that is not what original sin is. White supremacy is a sin. Whiteness, being white, is not original sin. Many people preach that. That is a that is a apostate, apostate gospel. That is a heretical yeah. gospel. So we're telling you to watch out what does what does this line up with actual biblical truth. If people say that the government has the right to do whatever they want to you, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is to do good and to punish evil. And people who do good ought not fear the government. 
So what does that say? I shouldn't fear the government. I shouldn't fear that the government is going to take my kids away because I tell them that transgenderism is wrong. But the government may do that one day. The government yeah. in certain countries is doing that right now. If you tell your kids yeah. or if you're if you're preaching that that transgenderism is wrong, that's not good. That is evil. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's it's not just happening in other countries. Now, the government isn't necessarily taking kids away from both parents, but that has been the central theme of a couple custody battles mm. in the United States is like whether or not a given parent would allow the child to right. transition. I saw one where a dad didn't believe in that and didn't would not support it. And so full custody was awarded to the mom. Right. This isn't an episode on Romans 13. This isn't an episode on the woke church or a woke apostasy. This is an episode on Christians. Watch what, you know, take a lesson from 2020 and into the future. Watch what's going on around you in your church and in your government. And things are going to change. 2020 was also a catalyst for, for many things. They say that a, a civil war is always preceded by a cultural war or a culture war. Listen, we may be in for something interesting in the United States because we're definitely in a cultural war right now. There is definitely a me team versus my team versus their team in a culture war right now. Um, so we may be interest. We may be in for something interesting in the United in the United States. You know what we need to do? We need to sit down and talk about an episode where we discuss building bridges. Um, you know, we talk about there is a culture war and that we need to fight, and I fully believe we do. We have to stand up for what's right. But I think the other thing we need to do is is talk about the right way to do that, mm. um, and not not allow it to get to the point where there is not a not a culture war, but a, a literal civil war mm. um, based based on our religious or conservative views. Um, and maybe that's an episode worth worth talking about is is how Christians can take responsibility for being the peacemaker. Mm. And, and I don't mean compromising on our beliefs, but I mean embracing our beliefs to the extent that we use that to to make peace with those who just completely disagree with us. I think that's possible, and I think that's something we should do. Mm. Amen. Absolutely. 2020 was a lot of things. Bad, terrible, nobody wants to live through it ever again. It wasn't the worst year in this nation's history. Uh, and, and the 2020s, I don't think... Well, unless there is a civil war. There have been, what am I trying to say? Yeah. In 1918, the Spanish flu killed a lot more people than, or a, on a percentage yeah. basis, a lot more people than the COVID is killing. And yeah. like four years before that, they were in World War One, And like 12 years yeah. after that, were, uh, you know, Hitler came to power. <laughs> so, like, so like the 1918, 1920s were, were pretty bad. The Great Depression was uh, yeah. in the 30s, like. I don't know if we're in for that. Maybe if we get into a civil war in the country, uh, even if it's not the most violent civil war in the world, we could certainly be in for something interesting. But 2020, what am I trying to say? 2020 is not the worst year in, the, in this country's history. But it was a lot of things, and it was bad. But also, it was a great catalyst Christians ought to learn a lesson from. Christians have to learn a lesson from, because we cannot let happen what happened in 2020 happen in years future. Yep. I think I think what you're, what you're getting at is... A lot of things happened in 2020, and we can either remain ignorant to how it happened, or we can learn from it and and move forward, like really taking a strong stand as Christians. Right. I mean, Christians post 2020, now into 2021, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, now we have a more robust understanding of something like Romans 13, 
that we can that we can look back yeah. and say uh, an o- a government that is pushing for evil is not a Romans 13 government that we need to submit to. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a minister of good. It's not a deacon for God. That's that's what they say. It's a yeah. servant of God. A, a government that is evil is not those things. Now we have a more robust, understand, robust understanding of the true gospel. The gospel that says there is sin. There is original sin. It's not a woke gospel. It is a true gospel. But it also outpours into life and godliness. And so the gospel is the reason we have conversations about race issues and cultural issues. But now people have a more robust understanding of it. And I hope if you're listening and you haven't thought these things through and you thought, man, once 2020 is over, we'll just get on back to normal. You won't. And you have to learn from 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. You know, that's, <laughs> that's another funny thing that I think we do. And we've, d- we've done it in this episode is treat years like 2020 as if there's something special about the numbers on the calendar. Mm. Right. Like <laughs> just because it just because and we saw this just because it changed to January of 2021. There was nothing, no magical snapping of the fingers and everything went back to normal. Right, right. Um, no, it is. Uh, it's still bad out here, guys. We still are in 15 days to slow the spread, and it's 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, uh, the numbers on the calendar, the, the life we're in right now hasn't necessarily changed because yeah. the calendar rolled over, the new year came, um, the new president came. Things haven't exactly changed. So we need yeah. to learn how to fight as Christians. No matter what the year is, uh, we need to understand that we're in a fight. We're in a fight because Christ is king and people don't believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Justin, I think we've about beat that horse to death. So uh, yeah, we, we have. And if you're hanging with us, like, thank you for that. Because we, we, we got a little passionate about that. And we, um, <laughs> we went about as far as we could with that conversation, I do believe. Well, then let's go into our last, our last segment for today. What are you reading, Justin? Let's talk about what we're reading. So, if you're unfamiliar with our podcast, uh, welcome in. Thank you. Uh, maybe you've made it. Maybe you've only made it this far into an episode once. And so, what are we reading? <laughs> we're not always talking about what we're reading. We're talking about what we're watching, what we're doing, maybe even vacation plans. But what's what's been going on? What are you reading? Uh, man, I'll I'll be honest. My reading this week has has not been great. I've been focused just on reading what I have to read for school. Um, trying to stay up to date there. I will tell you, I came across one quote last night from Charles Spurgeon um, in the Soul. Charles Winner. Spurgeon. If you're not, fam- yeah, old Spurgeon. Who's man. that? I haven't, <laughs> dude. I haven't read much Spurgeon. Right. Um, I don't know if you have or not. I, I might have talked about it last week. He's he's tough to read, but mm. uh, he's first of all he's, he's British, but he's also brilliant. Um, and it was it was also a different time. We're talking a, a good while back. Uh, anyway, he's got uh, it's called the Soul Winner, and it's basically a series of of lectures to students. Hmm. Um, but one thing he said was, if you're looking at winning souls through through sermons, you have to start by preaching a sermon that the people are interested in hearing. Hmm. I mean, I I thought. I've never heard that quote before, and you know, I had I had some thoughts about that because, uh, you know, we we both come from a ministry perspective, um, dude. I don't I don't know that that we're doing a great job of that sometimes. Um, you know, preaching preaching sermons that 
our people are, are truly interested in. You know, so, some pastors have moved to a verse by verse kind of uh, model of preaching. And it's real easy to stay true to the text that way. But are we giving the people, you know, exactly what they need all the time? I don't, I don't know. And so that's something that I, I read, and, and I'm really going to dig into that and see what I think about that. Well, I think part next, of that uh, is in the verse-by-verse exposition of the text, in the verse-by-verse preaching of your text, like you're going verse-by-verse verse through book after book, the, the passages you read, the passages that you preach, they have today applications. And I think sometimes uh, ex, expositors, preachers, get caught up in just explaining the text yeah and not applying it to the day. You know what yeah. I mean? What does it yeah. mean to feed the hungry and clothe the yeah. naked today? <laughs> right. And, and right. That, so you're expositing, you know, Matthew 5, you're expositing the Beatitudes, but how do those mean to us today? What does it mean to be right. poor in spirit today? Not just what, not just who Jesus was talking to then, but also how does it apply to us now? I think a lot of people, I know I fall into that when I preach I want to stay so faithful to the text that I forget I'm preaching to people here and now. You know what yeah. I mean? I wrote a I wrote yeah. a blog last night. Check it out. Late night blog. I wrote a blog uh, and I posted it yesterday. And it was called The Plague of the Bible Belt. Fake preachers who give speeches. And so oh, I'm, not push, I'm not pushing back on you, but what I'm saying is you're right. Uh, I think my, my point in this, in this article that I wrote is that a lot of preachers in the Bible Belt just they were failed politicians. They never made it as a politician or they never made it as a stand-up comedian or whatever it is. So their hour, their Lord's Day hour every Sunday is their chance to air grievances, like from Seinfeld. Yeah. The airing of grievances? Like they take this as that <laughs> opportunity. You watch Seinfeld? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, well, you're missing out. They take that as their opportunity yeah. to talk about whatever's going on in politics or where the world ticked them off. And they rip some passage yeah. out of context. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that is all that is obviously yeah. that is obviously yeah. bad preaching. And that has plagued the Bible belt, I think. Because people don't know people don't understand their Bibles because of that kind of preaching. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Like when 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 I talk about, you know, preaching something that the people are interested in hearing, it'd be really easy to go into a conservative church and preach against like the more liberal politicians, right? But am I am I preaching biblical truth if I do that? No, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a big round of applause at the end, and people are gonna say a, a whole lot of amens. Um, but it, and so, so that's not, and you know that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But but that's a dangerous thing too. There's like a there's a fine line between staying true to the text, and then being so uh, engaging and entertaining that you're that you're no longer speaking biblical truth. Like we need to have biblical truth with solid today application like you well, said. yeah I, I like how you kind of sum that up paul tells timothy um basically not to preach to itching ears that there are people yeah. who want to hear what they want to hear and i think yeah. that's what a lot of what has plagued the bible belt pastor wants to get up and he wants to talk about a politician or something like that and he's preaching to itching ears and you're saying yeah. not preach to itching ears in the bad way but when the government comes and shuts down your church maybe you should do a sermon on Romans 13 because that's what the yeah. people need. You need to do yeah, or when exactly. coronavirus happens and people are like am I going to die because we don't know anything about yeah. it, you know, flashback to a year ago. You come and you preach a service a sermon about no fear in death. Death where is your right. sting? You know what I mean? That's what you're talking about. You're not talking about what I blogged about. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you in that. I'm telling yeah. people I'm plugging my blog. Go look at my blog. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff in that. But expositional preaching can be like you said preaching 
sermons that people want to hear, applications yeah. for today. Yeah. All right, so I Absolutely. hijacked your what are you reading? What else are you reading? Yeah. No, 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 that's 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 good. Um, I think that's a good conversation to have, too. Uh, we're going to get carried away talking about ministry whenever I do bring that up. Um, that's, I mean, that's really it. I told you uh, Hannah and I were watching Breaking Bad. We've almost finished that uh, series. Um, we've got, I think, two episodes left to watch there. For real, just two episodes um, left? Yeah, I think so. Oh, my I goodness. I, although, I need to go back and watch uh, the the one we watched last night because, dude, something's happening with me lately. Seven o'clock hits, and I am out. Like, I am. And I, I'll sleep for, like, 45 minutes, and then I'll stay up until uh, midnight or 1 okay. o'clock. It's like a... It's like a, a a nap before my late night. I did that yesterday. I, I took a know. I took a nap at like four thirty in the afternoon for about twenty yeah. minutes. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's something something about it though. I don't I don't know what's, what's going on. So I need to go back and and watch that. Uh, what what about you? What you've been reading, watching? What's going on there? Justin, last week I had only read chapter one of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Dude, I'm a uh, I'm like a hundred page in now, hundred pages in now. Nice. Yeah, I read that. Super nice. good. You know, it's so funny. It's so different than the movie, at least at the part that I'm at. Uh, we yeah. just, I just got to the old. I just read the old forest chapter, um, mm-hmm. where they're in the forest. The uh, Mary and Pippin are getting eaten by trees. Uh, Frodo yeah. and Sam run into Tom Bombadil. Yeah. I heard some things before <laughs> I started reading the book that Tom Bombadil is an interesting character in the book that never made it to screen. So I'm interested. Now I'm on the chapter. I'm about to have the chapter that's, I think the chapter's titled In the House of Tom Bombadil. Something like that. So I'm probably going to read that chapter here soon. Um, The book is so different than the movie. Yeah, I remember, like, as I was reading that this summer, I was like, did I miss this in the movie? Like, what? (laughs) When did they go into the forest? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, I think it's, um, the chapter, the chapters where they're walking out of the Shire through the woods and the ring wraiths or the one ring wraith or whatever is, is kind of stalking them. I'm like on the edge of my seat, man. It's yeah. crazy. And I'm like, I know what yeah. happens. <laughs> <laughs> although, although maybe you don't because well, the books are so different. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah and uh, I think it's funny that Mary doesn't join their clan until they're at the ferry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, even though yeah. he's there from the beginning with all of them. And, and then there's like, they know about the ring and they, they kind of formed this conspiracy to, to join up with Frodo and all this kind of stuff yeah. that they, they reveal yeah. to Frodo. Very interesting. The book is different than the movies. The movies are still good. Um, I'm still going to yeah. watch the movie after I finish this book, but I'm really enjoying the, yep. the Lord of the Rings. Hey, so when you, uh, when you go to watch the movies, are you an extended cut? I've only extended seen cut? one of the extended cuts because I've never owned them. But I do have a friend uh, in, our, in our neighborhood here who owns all of the extended cuts, I think. So yeah. when I go to watch the movie, I'll probably check out the extended cut. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, I know this segment is not what your wife uh, reading, but I convinced Hannah that she should read The Hobbit. Ah. And, and so she is, she is reading The Hobbit right now. No, I read The Hobbit when I was in like middle school because it is sort of a kid's book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. so I since I have read it before, I chose to read The Lord of the Rings now. But I, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to go back and, and reading The Hobbit when I'm done with The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Dude, the, the entire reason that I wanted her to read it is because it does just have that lightness of a, mm. of a kid's book. Uh, I think I've mentioned it on here before, but I taught it in, in yeah. sixth grade last year. 
And man, I just enjoyed it so much. I had never seen it. I had never read it. And yeah, it was so much fun. If you have not read The Hobbit, I'm not even going to try to tell you to read Lord of the Rings, but if you haven't read The Hobbit, I pick it up and read it. it it's good. It's yeah, enjoyable. it's it's Tolkien's take on a kid's book, so it's most of our yeah. adult books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good. It's yeah. a good read. I actually like the Hobbit movies. Have you seen the Hobbit movies? I just watched them this summer. Yeah. I mean, they turned one book into three movies. Yeah. And they added some stuff to that one yeah. book, you know, from from other works of Tolkien, but I actually like the Hobbit movies. Um, a little yeah, bit more than most. Yeah, I like them more than most. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm still reading Awe by, da- by Paul David Tripp. Very good. And I read um, some more of, ex- I told you about Exegetical Fallacies last week. Right. Uh, I'm still reading that. I got into a chapter, I started it yesterday, a very long chapter, like a 30 or 40 page long chapter. So I'm taking it in chunks on just word study fallacies, etymology of word fallacies and um, misinterpreting words or uh, reading, you know, words change meaning over time, and that happened in Greek as well. Um, mm-hmm. He gave a few examples. The example I always like to bring up is actually ecclesia. Ecclesia is kind of what we translate as church. Right. And in Koine Greek, which is what the Bible was written in, ecclesia meant assembly. So in Acts chapter 19, in the Greek, well, in the English, it says that there was a riot in Ephesus and they made an assembly. There was an assembly of people. In the Greek, that says there was an ecclesia of people. Um, so that word meant that word means assembly or assemble. But ecclesia before that used to mean um, called out people or called out ones. Yes. I've so a lot that. of people will preach a sermon on how the church is the called out ones. We're, but that's not really what it means. It means assembly. It means gathering. Yep. Um, yep. Television is like that. The word television, did you know that television used to mean seeing far? It used no. to mean far sight. So you had television. You could see a far ways. <laughs> no, Obviously now if I write a if I write a letter to, to Justin and I say I was I was using my television yesterday, we would interpret that now <laughs> that I was using my Roku, you know, my T V, my flat yeah. screen. Um, you know, but but if you look back on it with a, a wrong version of the word, then you misinterpret that. People do that with the Bible. So that's kind of the stuff I was reading yesterday on exegetical fallacies, but that's only what nerd nerd future preachers do. Um, I'm gonna need you to uh, to send me uh, like a link on Amazon or something. Help, tell me, let me let me find that book because that that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's exegetical fallacies by D. A. Carson for anybody out there that thinks okay. maybe they want to learn more about preaching. Because listen, preachers who go to seminary or se- seminary students should not be the only people that know about semin- about preaching or what good preaching right. is, which is part of the reason why I wrote my blog, The Plague of the Bible Belt: Fake Preachers Who yep. Give Speeches. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the eighth time you have you have mentioned your blog. And listen, I'm I'm I fully believe you should go ahead and make it uh, around ten. Maybe you should go ahead and plug your blog a couple more times. And I'm not even being sarcastic here. It sounds sarcastic, but I'm not. We we really do believe in what we're doing, whether it's the podcast or the stuff we're writing. And it's not so we can have people pay attention to us. Like we really do believe that we're putting out stuff that God's laid on our heart. Um, we want to have a good time with it, and we, we want to enjoy it. But this this is not meant to be some kind of self-serving. Like, we tell you about what we're doing because we want it to be valuable to you. Right. We just we just want people, we just want the church, the individuals that make up Christ's bride, to, we just want to help them understand 
uh, their worldview and the way that the gospel outpours into their life. That's what I want. Yeah. That's my passion. Yeah. Is that more people understand why uh, why why Christians live differently than the rest of the world, or how Christians can live differently than the rest of the world? Because the biblical worldview Absolutely. plays out. You reading Absolutely. anything else? Enjoying anything else in your free time? No, I I can't say that I am. I do, maybe we should talk about podcasts we listen to at some point. Um, that's honestly that's most of what I consume is podcasts. Your sports I'll podcasts. Tell you other, yeah, yeah, sports podcasts. Uh, a couple Bible pod. Well, one Bible podcast actually. Um, okay, the other thing I'm doing and smoking meats you're doing that's that's what you're doing uh, yeah that that's been enjoyable um i haven't done ribs yet i want to do that this oh. week. Uh, the, the, the other coming thing, to town when you uh, do ribs dude come on and and then you figure out your uh 55 gallon metal drum <laughs> me. <laughs> we'll do that too my brother sent me a picture last night of some steaks and mm. shrimp he had smoked um they, listen if you've never smoked a steak that's the way to do it. Wow. You smoke it, bring it up to 130 or so internal temperature, mm-hmm. and then throw it in the skillet to... Yeah, to, to sear it? Come on, man. To sear it. Oh, buddy. I need to hang you out with your brother that. sometime. Yeah, I'm, I said we both just need to go hang out with him. Yeah, forget my ribs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, if you have stuck with us this long, we really appreciate it. Um, like I said, we believe in what we're doing. We, we appreciate you guys. Um... I've had, I've had, uh, actually my wife, Hannah mentioned, maybe we should, should tell you guys exactly how you can, um, support us. We're not asking for money or anything like that. All we want is if you believe in what we're doing, share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, um, leave a review that helps it, uh, helps with the algorithm. It gets it in front of more people potentially, um, that's that's all we're asking is uh, just share it. Make sure more people can can see it and check us out. Yeah, just the other day I was uh, I opened somebody's phone at their request and showed them how to get to the podcast on their podcasting app and subscribed and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. simple things like that. Also sharing the episode on Facebook is good, not because we're self serving, but because we want to help the Lord, not the Lord, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, understand the outworkings of the biblical worldview in daily life and in building Christ's kingdom here on earth. All right, well, let's wrap. I call that a wrap. God bless. Yeah.